Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Homer and Apple Sources Minority Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week, this night, by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How is everyone doing since we last spoke? I'm doing uh, pretty good. I had like a random two hour migraine. I don't know what the hell that was, but better now at least. That's good. Because there's so much going on in your brain regarding the <laughs> drafts and all of these hot takes that we're going to have soon. So, you know, the neurons are overloaded and whatnot. Oh, yes. I had to come up with the most negative things I could possibly say, you know, so. <sighs> Classic Lucas. It's not like it's not like the Mets continually justify our negative takes or anything. They're they're a high class organization and we're just we're just way too harsh on them. They have an excellent farm system. Typical negative Lucas. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so last night's recording, we went over the Mets' first round pick for the 2023 draft, Colin Houck. Uh, it was late. The draft was moving at a glacial pace, so we didn't wait around for the second round pick, which took place last night. So we will go over that tonight. And at some point in the recording last night, I kind of mentioned quickly that my strategy <laughs> in place that the Mets could still draft Brendan Sprout to save some money was still in 
it was in play. And, well, with their second-round pick in the 2023 MLB draft, the Mets selected Brennan Sproat. So I think we know at least one person out there, at least one person out there has a $5 a month subscription to our Patreon because they're spying on us. I, I uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all right. This organization, just, this organization is a psyop. It's are so you fun. gonna are you gonna even, contaminate this podcast with negativity right now? Oh, uh, you know it. I don't uh, even dislike the pick that much. I think it's fine for where they picked and where he is, and it, it's not the worst thing in the world. They could have went way worse directions. It's just. You had such a public spat with him a year ago about money, and then you're going to sign, and then you're going to draft him when he has less leverage. I mean, he could go back to school because he could be a, he has the COVID year, but I mean, is he really going to do that? Like that, at that point, it's like not even beneficial for him to do that. It's just, I don't know. It feels a little shitty from the Mets. Obviously, they like him enough to take him twice, but I don't know. It's just, of course, the Mets would do this. It's not even that bad of a pick. It's just, of course, they'll do it. It feels shitty because it is shitty. Yeah, like, it's just something about it is like, ugh. I mean, it is worth noting that he had to consent to getting drafted by them this time. So it's not as if he had no say in it. My understanding is that he could have entered the draft and not given them permission to take him again. I could be wrong on that. I meant to look it up before we started today, and... I forgot until this moment. So yeah, I believe they ha- he has to give permission for the Mets to do this. Right, like, they can't just do it against his will. Yes, that is correct. Which so, makes me feel a little better because obviously, if he didn't want, if he really didn't want to be a Met, he would just say no. Like he would have got drafted in if he didn't get drafted. What fifty nine or fifty one, whatever it was, he would have got drafted at like. 60 you know so who cares like for him it's not that much of a difference mm-hmm. yeah and i think i'm i'm a little lower on the player i mean i agree first of all with everything you said about this just being ridiculous and kind of dumb i'm lower on the player than you are i don't like his fastball is fast certainly uh, but I don't know that it's a particularly good fastball. It was more hittable than you'd think it should be at that velocity in college, which kind of tells you something. Um, his primary secondary is a changeup. I hate that. I hate that phrase, the primary secondary, but I don't know what else, how else to say. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It is his primary secondary. Yeah. And I, we get a lot of these discussions last year with Brock Porter, like evaluating amateur changeups is really hard because, I mean, first off, evaluating major league changeups is really hard. Like stuff models kind of fail universally to capture all the different ways a changeup can be good. Um, but even visual or, or results-based analysis of, of changeups is hard at the amateur level because almost no one has one. And if you throw one that's even okay, Everyone is just like, what, what the hell is this dark magic? I can't hit this. So I, I don't really have any deeper insight or high levels of confidence on, on whether his best secondary pitch is actually going to is actually good, which bothers me. Um, and we're going to talk about one of the later arms where he also has a change up as his primary secondary. And it's a little different because it's not your 
second round pick. So I don't know. It, it's all it's also much it's similar to Hauk. It's not like a disaster. It's fine. I like it's, it less than Hauk, but it's fine. It's it's more like <clears throat> if the Mets didn't draft him at all last year and they did this now, I think it would be a whole different conversation. But you just can't you you can't forget that because it's a huge thing. <laughs> you know, like like there, there's just, like a sprinkling of messiness to it. Exactly. Yeah. Like the so value is fine because it's fine. The value's fine. It's kind of Blake Tidwelly, and Tidwell looks kind of better than I expected as a professional, especially recently. Mm-hmm. So maybe the Mets kind of do know something going on. Like Jaegers or Jaegers, I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure how to pronounce his last name, but he he's good at his job. Like he knows what he's doing. And he's the pitching coordinator. So, like, it's not like they have terrible hires in the pitching dev side of things either. Vassal has taken a step forward. Like, they've had some pitching success this year. I would say more than hitting success this year. So, maybe they really do see something in his profile that they can unlock. It's just, of course, the Mets would draft the guy in the third round, and then he publicly is mad at you about money, and then they're like, all right, bet. See you next year. (laughs) You're coming here anyway. Like yeah. that's just that's the funny part about it to me because it's not even that the pick is like awful. It's just mm-hmm. it's of course the Mets did that. Like that's really how I felt about it. I admit I'm a little heartbroken as well because Colton Ledbetter went literally the pick before to the Rays, which makes me feel good that I called out the right guy and also bad that he got sniped by one spot. Yeah, it sucks. One spot always hurts. I was yeah, I was like, is he still gonna be there? Is he still gonna be there? He's still there, he's still there, and yeah, yeah damn it. Who was big? It was the Rays. Yeah. Okay. I mean, going to the Rays, I guess it's better than getting like sniped by like the Yankees, the Phillies, yeah. the Braves, team that you really hate. I'm. He will be high on my NPL draft board next year, probably. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the most most of the discourse on Sprout is just kind of the comical nature of it. And, you know, using the word comical lightly, because from a player point of view, you know, he's he's a solid, good player, you know, about what you'd expect to get at 56. Financially, it works out for everybody. You know, the Mets are going to be able to offer him underslot deal and save some money and just by the way that the slot bonuses work out from last year and this year he's actually going to be getting more money than he would have been able to get last year so it's win-win for everyone but of course it's lol mets so we can't escape that we can never escape that steve that is our life all right, now with their third round pick, the Mets selected Nolan McLean, a two-way player from Oklahoma State University. And what's a good way to put this? In a in a vacuum, looking at things broadly, not really analyzing the details, seems like a great pick. I mean, the guy is a decent relief pitcher. He is a he, he's got a ton of power, and so you say to yourself like, oh, cool, like. And they announced him as a two-way player. Yes, and and he is a two-way player. They but the thing is like they announced him as one. 
They didn't announce him as a outfielder, I think, or because I'm pretty sure he DH'd, but they didn't announce well, him as well, an outfielder yeah. or a relief or right-handed pitcher. They announced him as a two-way player, so he's going to try that at the beginning. As a position player, he doesn't really, I don't want to say he doesn't really have a position, but he played third base a little bit, and then he played the outfield a little bit, and a little second base, so even if he wasn't pitching, it still kind of uh, would be hard to peg him as one specific position, but all, all that aside now, as I'm looking up his numbers, as I'm reading about him, finding out, you know, what makes him tick, his baseball tools, things he's good at, the things he's not good at, it kind of soured me on him a little bit because as a pitcher, you're not going to really be able to tap into what hitting skills he does have that often. And his hitting skills are, you know, it's mainly his, his, he's got big time power, but he's also not a particularly great hitter. So it seems like it's just the worst of all worlds here. I think he's going to have to choose one, and I think it's going to be pitching. That's kind of, I think they'll let him try to be a two way player, and you should, because I don't think he could hit. Like, I just don't think he has enough contact in the zone to hit. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So then he'll try, and he won't hit much probably in the, in rookie ball, and then they'll stop that, I'm sure. And he, it's a, he's a little more interesting to me than I originally thought, but I think Lucas is going to come to the same conclusion as me because we talked to the same people, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But like, if they make him a starter, it's kind of interesting. But then you have, he has to put the bat down, and he yeah. should put the bat down. So It's... Uh... Yeah, like I was pretty negative about this pick. I think I had a bad tweet about it and then talked to some more people. I don't think there's any way he's a hitter, like 0% chance. His contact, his in-zone contact was literally like the worst of any yeah, notable he, draft prospect. He cannot hit. He had, I think, a 55% um, whiff rate, and he literally this year set the NCAA Division One record for most strikeouts. So He, he cannot hit. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I think a couple points in his favor. Um, he's a spin demon. He throws two separate breakers with RPMs that clock over 2,900. Um, and I, I think you can glean a lot by what the smart teams or who the smart teams are interested in. And he was a pick of the Orioles last year. Now, they didn't sign him because they didn't like what they saw in his MRI, which is concerning. Um Especially if your plan is to make him a starter, uh, I, I can at least I, I can see the justification here. Um, I don't love it. I think there are other things I would have done at this pick. Um, trying to see if there's an obvious name in the vicinity that I would have. There were I had a couple I was looking at earlier that I liked more. Um, but it's it, it's not it's 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 there's enough to be interesting here. Um. Uh, that, that's it. I mean, always. I I don't know that the Mets have had one of these relievers turn starters. Like this is something teams have been trying more recently. Like the Braves have done it with um. Schwellenbach was the dude who they tried it with last year, and he blew out. And the Phillies have done it with Griff McGarry and uh, Alex McFarlane. I think they've tried to make a starter. 
Um, the Mets haven't really tried this, but, but it'll be this is an interesting test case to see what they can do with it. Yeah, and I think that they're we'll probably talk about this as we go on, but they were very clearly saving money <clears throat> for how. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to do that, and you also they very clearly wanted to draft pitchers. Um, taking a guy like this who was a college reliever and a two-way player in college, and probably letting him DH and start, and then once the hitting doesn't work out, then just start. Like that kind of make I kind of see where you go. I see how you get there from taking him in the third round. You know what I'm saying? Like you were saying, Lucas, like I started to see the vision more as I understood the prospect more type thing. Cause at first I was like, yeah, it's a reliever. He's a reliever in college, mm-hmm. but you could push these guys now. Like that's, it's not 2004 anymore or 1994 where the guy's a reliever. That's it. Like you could be, he doesn't have to pitch nine innings. He could pitch five. If you could get him up to six, that's the Rays do that stuff all the time with their pitching staffs. Like they rarely go six innings or seven innings. You don't have to anymore, you know? Like, if you stretch him out to be just enough of a starter, that's perfectly fine. So, we'll see where it goes. The the main starters in the system right now are basically averaging about four or five innings a start anyway, so... Exactly, and it's not like... That's just not baseball anymore. Mm -hmm. You have the Garrett Coles and... Previously, before this year, the Ver- even Verlander's done it a few times this year, like the real workhorse guys. But it's just rare. It's a rare breed now. It's not every five, a- a- every day, you're not getting seven or eight innings from your starter. It's just not how it works. So I think that makes it a little easier to convert a reliever into a starter because you don't really have to get them much more innings, you know? Can we also, also I'll think of it because you brought up Cole. Cole's, they should have given the start to Evaldi. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yes. All right, now with their um, their second and third round pick, which is compensation for not signing Brendan Sproat last year, the Mets selected... Cade Morris, uh, right-handed relief pitcher from the University of Nevada. Um, Thomas mentioned a lot of uh, picks designed for savings, and Cade Morris seems to be the first one in a string of many. He's not bad. You know, I don't. I, I, he's. It's not like he was a reach. He is a player that was a known quantity that has, you know, a uh, write-up on MLB.com and Baseball America and whatever. So it's not like the Mets just threw, the, threw a, a dart on the board and picked up some rando in order to save money. So, I mean, there is some utility in Morris, and maybe he'll become something because relief pitching is a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. But he is, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's not going to be signing for slot value. They they needed um they needed a cut pick here because not just for Hauk, but because this was the comp pick and you don't get it back. Yeah, you, you needed to be, you needed to make sure you sign this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's enough. Also, to like 
I would sorry, go ahead, Lucas, because I was going to say that he did end up starting 14 games this year. He wasn't good in them, mm-hmm. but in when you factor in, it's in Nevada, and that's where he went to school, and it's I think they're in the WAC. Yeah, sure. no, they're in the Mountain West. Um, you're playing in just terrible offensive co- or pitching conditions constantly. It's the, P- it's the PCL with metal bats. Yeah, so I think this is one of those cut picks. I think, Lucas, you said this in Slack when they drafted him, but this is one of those things where you could kind of... I don't want to throw away his college performance, but all right, it was his first time starting ever in college, really, and he had to play with metal bats in in Vegas and Nevada. Like, come on. It's fine. I, I, if you like the stuff, then you could try to figure that out in a normal environment. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's really, that's kind of why it's an interesting cut pick to me, because you could, you could take a swing on a risk on a low college performer last year. Cause he was good before that as a reliever. Mm-hmm. Factoring in all of those existent, all those circumstances, all those things that he out of his control, he, he can't control the elevation. Yeah, I think this is a fine cut pick. That I find myself I, I find myself winding, staring at like every dude the Dodgers or Guardians or Rays draft and then saying, damn, that sounds like a good pick. I wish the Mets had done that. And then I also have to step back and think, would I think that if the Mets had actually taken him? So I'm trying to not fall into that tendency. Uh, I also won't claim to know anything about Morris beforehand, right? Like, hell hell if I I know nothing about him Um, or knew nothing about him because he was ranked like 150 or later or 120 or later on most boards. Um, the, the slider is sweep. The fastball probably is bad shape, but to Thomas's point, there's runway. And if you're, it's runway in a small school, right? This isn't, um, we talked about this last year, I think when we thought that Deandre Smith was going to be a cut pick and then he wasn't, he wasn't actually yeah. a cut <laughs> pick, but let's pretend he was a cut pick for a moment for the sake of discussion. Like, you're not going to out scout 29 other teams at uh, he was um, uh, USC, right? Like yeah. you're not, you're not going to do that at a baseball powerhouse because everyone and their grandmother is going in to see USC 30 times. Drafting a random new starter convert at Nevada in the whack. There's a lot higher chance that you've actually uncovered something that someone else missed. So I, I, I the profile fits what philosophically I want to see from a cut pick, and that's without any particular knowledge of the player himself at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's not a Division three senior that you're giving him $5,000 and he's saying, thank you, sir. It's a – he's he's a solid pitcher who is a stretch for maybe a pick or two, but he belongs. Mm-hmm. And if he belongs, that means, you know, there's utility as a player. And there's also a reliever fallback. Obviously, you don't want that. But Mm -hmm. if he is a reliever, then it is what it is for a cut pick in the late third. You're like, all right, that kind of sucks, but whatever. That's not the outcome you want, but it's an outcome you'll take over out of your organization. You know what I mean? Right. 
when you have low expectations, any outcome is a good outcome. Yeah. All right. Now, with the fourth pick, their fourth round pick, uh, the Mets selected Wyatt Hodgepole, a right-handed pitcher from UNC Charlotte. Great name. I'm not even sure. I, you know, it's it's been a long day, so I don't really remember how they pronounce it, but I believe it's Hujapol. Either way, though, um, at the time of the selection, it, you know, it's like eh, statistically the numbers are just kind of like, eh, all right, not too great. Um, he went to University of Kentucky for his first two years. Wasn't particularly great. Transferred to UNC. Again, wasn't particularly great. Um, but looking at the stuff, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this pick. Um, it feels very like mid-2010 Mets-ish, where they're picking starters that the upside isn't necessarily major league level, but you know that they're not going to put up terrible stat lines um, when you're doing that recap at 11.30 at night and you just want it to end. You know, that, that makes sense to you guys, I'm sure. Maybe not to everyone else out there in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, his fastball is, is whatever, but he actually has a really, really, really good curveball. Yep. Yeah. Um, tw- what is it? 39.1% chase rate, 47.9% whiff rate. You know, Conference USA, it's it's not like the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I I made this comment about a guy we'll talk about in a couple picks, but same thing applies here. If this was a Guardians draft pick, we'd be sitting here thinking about how they're going to jack up his velocity by five miles an hour, and we're going to be looking at another Tanner Bybee or something. Um, whether the Mets can do that or not is is an interesting question, right? Like they've ta- we've been, we've now talked about Sprout, Hodapole, and and Morris Hodapole, whatever, who all have real fastball problems. Can the Mets f- and and fastball problems in different ways? It's it's the shape for Sprout, the velocity for Hodapole, and and Morris. I don't know, kind of both. Do they know how to fix them? I don't know. Maybe they do now. We'll see. It's nice that they can identify guys with these traits, at least, more so than they used to. Because, obviously, when they used to pick, like, these type of seniors and stuff, it was just the most low-ceiling thing you could possibly imagine. Mm. Like, this draft class, the best way I could describe it is it's very boring, and we'll get into how, like, as we're going, it's just a lot of similar things, kind of. But they're taking a lot of shots at, like, this pitcher does this thing interesting. This pitcher does this thing interesting. And if they could get a few of them to pop, then you kind of have something for the future. But they don't need all of them to pop. Obviously, they would love all of them to pop, but that's just not how any prospect pool works ever. I don't care who you are. You could be the Rays or the Dodgers. Not everyone. Some... Sometimes they're just not going to pop it is what it is. But they're doing a better job at identifying the things that they need to. It's just can they now do the next step and once they're in the organization actually fix the issues. 
Because before, they weren't even identifying the people who they should be looking at in the first place. And they were draft guys, and it's just like, well, all right. Oh, you'll flame out in double A probably, and that's what would happen. And it sure did happen a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's just, it sucks, <laughs> but it's just, it's a slow process where the Mets are because they were so far behind, like we said before. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now with their next pick, which is the first pick that they had in the free agency compensation round, uh, compensation for Jacob deGrom signing with the Texas Rangers, the Mets selected A.J. Ewing, a shortstop from Springboro High School in <clears throat> in Springboro, Ohio. And eh, I, I thought this is a kind of interesting pick. I mean, it's prep shortstop who has a bat that needs work but you can see like there's a decent amount of potential there he has decent defensive tools unfortunately his weakest defensive tool is his arm so shortstop is probably not going to be in his long-term future but i mean not everyone can play shortstop it is what it is but, I mean, I, I think this is a pretty good pick. It's going to be interesting, though. You know, he has a um, commitment to the University of Alabama. It's, you know, an okay baseball school. He's not a, like, premium high school talent that everyone is clamoring for. 
So, I mean, I, I would assume that they're going to be able to buy him out of that commitment and that he'll go pro. It'll be interesting, though, to see how much they're going to have to give him, whether or not they possibly have to go over slot and then how or if they'll be able to get him at or under slot. The financial ramifications of everything. But I, I think I like this pick. Yeah, it's it's uh I don't have any uh strong thoughts on it honestly. Uh Me neither. I always feel very and I'm admitting I'm bad at this job. Like I feel unprepared to talk about these guys a lot of the time because there's just, the information out there is just not I I think the 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 frustrating thing is that we are we are close enough to this we're we're far enough away that we don't get the actual juicy stuff. We can we're we're well informed. We can make comments about what all the public information, but we're also close enough to know that there's to know the people who have the juicy stuff. So when we say something dumb, they'll come and say, "Actually, no, you're wrong," and then that that's never a good feeling either. So I I just don't I don't have any strong opinions here, frankly. And, well, and also, you should stop saying stupid things. Then. <laughs> yeah. No. It's also tough with the prep guys because it'll be like, and even college guys too, but they'll be like, oh yeah, he has strug- he struggles with his bat to ball. He hit 480. And, right. and it's like, and b- b- both of those things are true. Like, mm-hmm. he has struggles with bat to ball because it's a, in a pro sense, but he's playing some kid who's like, he's going to mm-hmm. stop playing. He might play like club ball at a D2 college and then that's it. Or he might not ever play baseball after high school again, you know? Like, mm-hmm. The level of competition, even at the really competitive places, are so small that until they're getting on the circuit, and it's a whole other thing on the circuit, and <clears throat> like these kids, even to get drafted at 19, because he's a little older, he's a yeah. he's an overage uh, high school kid. He's going to be 19 soon. Like you have to be so good that you have to really boil down the issues, and the issues are like he, he should just. It's I think it's bat to ball with him. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure if I'm yep. remembering the. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, like, the Mets have to clean that up, just like with Hal, who was a first-round pick. You right, know? I mean, that's, so. that's basically, okay, high school hitter, erase everything you know, this way you need to be cleaned up. That's just how it works. Almost, unless you're like a phenom. Right, right, For the most part, your high school swing is not going to work, and you're going right. to have to get it reworked. My, it's also difficult because the Mets drafted to... And let's call Nick Morabito a, a mid-round for sake of argument. They drafted two mid-round preps last year. One of them looks really good in Reimer, and one of them is a complete non-prospect and basically was the moment they took him. So, like, are the Mets good at this? Still don't know. Um, and also, that you could be good at it and a guy could just not miss. work. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I'll also say, and we talked about this a lot at the time of the Beatty pick, and I was talking I had like a very brief conversation with Jared Seidler about this yesterday like draft models really really ding overage prep guys and my contention is that at the top of the draft that's maybe a little overstated um like if you see a guy that's this much better I don't really care that he's six months older it makes a difference sure but uh uh when when you're talking about first round talents I, I think it's not as big an issue as it's made out to be, mm-hmm. but once I, I think the your your process really becomes important as you get into the mid rounds. And here I'm more concerned about Ewing being an older prep guy 
than I would be if this was a first round talent that we were taking as a slightly older prep guy, if that makes sense, right? Because no, you, you just have less information. The, the talent difference is smaller, so it's harder to perceive accurately. And the modest gains he gets from being older are going to, it's going to be diff more difficult to parse that out versus if he actually is better. Um, just one concern I have here as, as, as a prep bet at this spot, it's, it's also fine. Like interesting, more mm -hmm. short kings. I'm all for it. And unfortunately, I just look. He did not hit 480. He hit 464. Yep. See, so trash pick. But but <laughs> but even though he only hit 464, he was the Great Western Ohio Conference Player of the Year because he won the Triple Crown. So nice. Huh. A whopping 37 RBI and four home runs, baby. Four. Mm -hmm. Four the triple crown. Yes, sir. It's okay. it's real dead ball era baseball. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. That's how they play in Ohio. No fences, just just the uh, <laughs> just fields. green green grass in front of you. <laughs> no fence, just field, baby. <laughs> All right, with their next pick, which is consecutive right after this one, the uh, compensation for losing Chris Bassett to the Blue Jays. They selected Austin Trosser, a right-handed relief pitcher from University of Missouri. Um, this might be my least favorite pick they made. Yeah, he's... He... He throws hard. Um, that's kind of what he does. Yep. That's that's kind of it. Yep. I don't. I don't. I don't get <laughs> hey. it. This was not. A, I don't think this was a good pick. This feels like the cut pick of all cut picks. Yeah. I feel. Like He's the worst basically part. a two pitch reliever. The worst part about this is that I really, and I did look at this guy before the draft started, so I'm not just noticing him because he's a Dodger. I quite liked Eric Swan as a guy to grab in the mid-rounds. Um, and you just know the Dodgers are going to maximize him to shit, and he gets taken two spots later. Right, absolutely. I mean, this is pick number 135. There yep. are still plenty of players available that even if you want to swing a deal with someone and get them under slot. You can still do that and select a player who will have utility. And uh, I'm not saying that Trosser doesn't, but, you know, a, a two-pitch reliever who was not really that great in college, um, you know. It the, really just feels odds. like you're taking a guy who throws hard. Yeah. And seeing if you could give him a breaking ball. I don't know if the Mets can teach him a breaking ball right now, so Which is we'll see. Also interesting because they're they're taking arms with traits, but have no consistent pattern to what they want to improve. Again, going back to the Guardians, they take guys with feel for spin and control and teach them how to throw harder. The Dodgers take guys with incredible stuff and no idea where it's going and teach them how to control it. The, the Braves, Ra yeah. Yeah, like the the Rays have an MO. The Braves have an MO. The Brewers have an MO to a degree. Um, they have a pitching, well, they have a hitting one too. I don't know how good yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
but I don't know. I, 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 and, and weirdly, I think I'm okay with it because the Mets are early on enough in their, in the whole fixing the dev process, um, that maybe it makes sense to throw a bunch of shit at the wall and say, okay, we're going to try to, we, we have some processes in place. We want to see what works. We're going to try to improve some breaking balls. We're going to try to add velocity. We're going to try to add control and see what sort of archetypes work for us. Maybe that's an okay strategy. Um, and they kind of settle on something that, that they are particularly good at uh, as time goes on. I don't know. Um, but it's it, I, I found it interesting that they're taking these interesting arms that don't all fit the same pattern. I would also rather them take interesting arms like this and interesting bats here. Sure. Because they did take a few bats and two college bats. But for the most part, those guys kind of are what they are. If Like, college bats do pop sometimes and all that, but I think I feel like the success rate is a lot higher with pitchers in this mm-hmm. range. Just because you don't have to... If, if, if this guy becomes like... Uh, Jacob Rame, it's a W. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not. It doesn't feel like one, but it definitely is. If you then could you call him, you don't need to sign a. I don't know. Insert any of the shitty relievers the Mets brought. And and, and it's not even that. It's like Billy Epler talked a million times over about optionable relievers, and he's he's right. The Mets should have just signed more major league relievers this year because they didn't have any optionable guys. But he's not wrong in that sometimes you're going to need the Adonis Medina to come up and pitch for two weeks and then get sent down. Like, and they had to claim that guy on waivers. If you could draft him in the sixth round or the fifth round, then okay. It, it's, it's not the best outcome, but also it's a major league. It's something that helps your team. And mm-hmm. the Mets are trying to win the World Series. So I would rather take the swings on the arms. All right, well talk about uh, taking some swings with their next pick their fifth round pick the Mets selected Zach Thornton a left-handed starter from Grand Canyon University and this guy has a lot going on yep and yeah he's interesting he's, he seems really fun even if he doesn't actually work even if he doesn't progress past Brooklyn he seems like the kind of guy that would just be fun to follow, fun fun to watch because he's still he's a left-handed pitcher and he has that. Who who? I I forgot the, the funk. Name. He has the funk. I. Are you thinking of Madison Bumgarner? Maybe. I don't think he's quite that funky. But. No, yeah, I feel like there's a a Cleveland guy who's a little weird. Karinchak, does he have like a weird? He's a righty, but yeah, he has a very yeah. weird herky jerky yeah. over the top thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Left handed Kyle Hendricks hours. Mm. But call. he's a fun guy to watch with your eyeballs. Um, How else would have... you watch him exactly? <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, and he also seems, if he pitches at a place where we have access to the data, he also seems like a very fun person to track statistically because all his pitches have very interesting characteristics yeah he just doesn't throw hard no his fastballs like sits around 90 tops out like 92 93 94 
I, even 94 is a stretch. Yeah, <laughs> this was this was the guy I was alluding to earlier, right? Like if this, um, if if he was a Guardians pick, everyone would immediately be like, break out, hundred percent. Yeah, because he he shows up in camp next year and he's throwing 96, and everyone's like, huh? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> They did it. Son of a bitch. They did it again. So, um, again, going back to the archetype. So this is very different from what you need to change with Brandon Sprout or with, uh, 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 oh, my God, Morris. Um, entirely different problem. I think I'm not saying he's the best player they've taken, but I think this is actually my favorite pick of their draft so far. I, I really I really like this this profile. I like the Guardians MO. Yeah, I, that, that's the MO I would try to emulate. Yeah, they're probably the best pitching dev. Them in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean it really. I mean the Dodgers say hello. It really like it. We, we yeah, reached I mean, the point just... of stratification where it's like it's best pitching dev for what profile, which is yeah, it's, interesting. It's all different. It's all yeah. different. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I really like this. Yeah, he's interesting. And he's also another one where we were talking about uh, Morris being from a small school. He's from an even smaller one. So <laughs> if you want to talk about uh, maximizing the amount of money you have left because you spent a lot on your first round pick, and you did take two prep shortstops, and I don't know how expensive they're going to be. So um, if you're going to maximize your your slot pool here doing it with someone who is a small school guy with some interesting pitch characteristics isn't the worst thing in the world i mean i i understand that grand canyon university might be a small school but are you are you seriously telling me that barton community college is a small school thomas <laughs> come on man Jeez. all right now with their sixth pick sixth round pick uh the met selected Jack Weniger, a right-handed starter from University of Illinois. And I can't honestly tell you a thing about him because I have not gotten up to his write-up yet. Uh, let me see what my little Google Sheet tool will tell us. If I could highlight his name and copy it. This is about the point where I, A, had to go back to work, and B, started feeling sick, so I stopped paying close attention. <laughs> yep, this is about where, this is where, like, the, the, the uh, crash starts settling in. Mm. We could probably just power through these guys. Uh, Murray State transfer, solid tools, fastball up to 96, changeup is a very, oh yeah, he's going on with a really high spin changeup. Um, again, hard to evaluate. Change of first guys, I'm much more okay rolling the dice on that idea in whatever round this is as opposed to the second. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Next, with their seventh round pick, the Mets selected Noah Hall, a right-handed starter from University of South Carolina. Uh, I. He's interesting. He's a, I he's like a this one, change-up yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. He's one of the better seniors that were that was available. Um, regular old, you know, mid nineties passable, av- average fastball. Um, good changeup again. Yeah, good changeup. Sure. And I guess really the ability for his 
breaking ball, whether it be slider, change, uh, slider, curveball, whatever. You know, basically the viability of that pitch will, I guess, determine his fate here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he he, he feels like one of those questions too. I think. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. He had a back injury. Yes. Um, he feels like one of those like kitchen sink starters <laughs> who throws like 800 pitches and gets by that way, which is fine. It is a good cut pick. I like yes. this as a cut pick. Yeah, I like yeah. it too. This feels like the pick like we were talking about with um, Trusser. At least this pick, okay, like there's utility there. Whereas a Trusser, like, nah, I, I really don't. Yeah, Trusser's the one pick this this grouping that I was like, hey, eh, that doesn't make uh, it may, Maybe that's just to say that if you're drafting a guy with flaws, drafting for raw velocity is the least interesting thing to do. And also, I think, least productive, right? Like, mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's probably adding strength, adding velo, not that it's easy, but it's probably easier than teaching a dude how to throw literally anything else. Hey, Gerson Bratista threw hard. Yes, he oh, yeah, did. Great. Wonderful. He, also, he got hit hard, yep. I wonder what he's up to, Gerson Batista, right now. Nothing good. <laughs> All right, now with their eighth round pick, the Mets selected Boston Barrow, and he is a shortstop from Capistrano Valley High School in Mission Viejo, California. And That's not the same school that Reimer was from, was it? I don't know. It might be because when I saw Capistrano Valley, well, when I saw Capistrano, it made me think of Gabagool, but <laughs> something, something in my mind said, hmm, that that vaguely reminds me of something. So that might be it. I don't know. But you know, another another prep high school shortstop, just like AJ Ewing. Um, I think that. Whereas Ewing is a little bit more power over hit, Barrow is a little bit more way, hit yeah. over power. He's a tiny boy. <laughs> he's a hey, he's a skinny lad. Nothing wrong with that. And obviously that's projectable. You could grow into power and stuff. But I don't know what it does to a shortstop potential, but whatever. You're in the eighth round and he's a prep guy. If he has to move off shortstop, it kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. He was he originally had a commitment to New Mexico. He changed it recently to UCLA because, you know, the coaching staff changed, so he wanted to go with the coaches. Don't know the viability of signing him or not because UCLA is a pretty good school. Yeah, that's uh, a good baseball program. Yeah. So I, I mean so is New Mexico, but UCLA I think is a little better, but I don't know here. That this screams signability concerns to me. Um, we'll see. It is also not the school Reimer went to. I was wrong. Reimer went to Yukapat, uh, Yukapa, Yukapa High oh, School. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was California though. Yeah, this is fine. Some same commentary as Ewing. Like I, I just cannot bring myself to have extensive opinions at this juncture on prep hitters without any sort of available data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to know how interesting the data actually is. Is this a little then, odd? Sorry, last thing. Like, it's odd that you take a guy with signability concerns 
here unless they're really confident on the amount they have on Huck. How? Yeah, it it is weird because the first couple of the first few middle round picks are all screaming we need to cut a decent amount of money to be able to sign Hauk. And supposedly Hauk wanted like four million or five million, whatever it is, which is two to two and a half or so million above what the slot value is for his pick. Mm-hmm. The slot value is two point six. So you would assume that they're gonna be cutting a significant amount of money, but then you're signing a guy like this who isn't a lock to need a decent bonus to, to sign, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and the next two picks now are, are fairly similar. Um, I think two college seniors um, with the ninth round pick. The Mets selected Nick LaRusso, who's a third baseman from the University of Maryland. And then with their 10th round pick, the Mets selected Christian Christian Prigen, a catcher from Stetson. Don't really have too much information on either one of those guys, though. I know that Prigen is a good defender. You know, he is the stereotypical the typical college catcher. <laughs> yes, stereotypical good defensive catcher. Bat, not so much. Look, if he had could, some, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if he could be a good defensive catcher for you in your minor league system and be like a third catcher for you, that's like a great outcome. I'm totally signing up for that every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I frankly would take like a defense first catcher as a cut pick every year. Yeah, And if they pop around. offensively at one point. There's a, there's always a couple of them. You can always sign one cheap. Just you, you always need the, to point Ken's de- point. You always need them around, whether on the major league side or on the minor league side. And you can always use the extra money somewhere else. I would do this every year. Nice. Yep. Larusso had some crazy production. He hit a load of home runs. He hit 379, 446, 765. Um, I actually don't have the contact numbers for him. I'm his realizing. Ad- his- his average exit velo, I think, was like ninety something. Ninety two. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. And he hit pretty well on the Cape for a brief stint, um, though he struck out a little bit too much. It's a. I, I think this is a really nice senior sign. The. And, and I'm not like there was a more interesting pick that I had no knowledge of before it was made. Like I really like the guy the Phillies got in the ninth, but that was a nice find. Like I'm not going to bet the, the Mets need. They were clearly going for a senior sign cut pick. I think this is. These are two nice ideas good ones yeah it's it's high floor for the catcher um to have a defense first catcher if he, he has some pop in him if he hits home runs and you could get a little dreamy about him and then <laughs> dude what was this slash line like you just said it's crazy draft yeah. that guy every i would draft a, a cut guy like that a senior cut guy like that with numbers like that all the time i, I would, yeah i think i'm with you like I draft what's the these, downside yeah you would draft if I think it makes a lot of sense to have at least two cut guys in every draft. And in the ninth and 10th round, if you're gambling on, all right, insane college producer and defense first catcher, it's fine. Yeah. That, Good. I, I think they did a better job today. At the, like when the day first started, I was like, eh. And I kind of liked how their day went as it went on. Yep. One of One of those things. Yep. Yeah, I think my biggest criticism of the day was – just kind of boring it wasn't yeah, bad it, was, it was fine it was just boring 
it's but, a lot of low ceiling guys, I feel. Like, I don't really see huge ceilings out of any of these guys, but I could see a lot of them being useful. And if that's what ends up happening, and if Hauk pops, then it's a perfectly acceptable draft class. It's not the best draft class in the world, but I've come around on it more as I've gotten away from it, I think. Yeah, it, 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 it just is. It's not bad. It just is. And maybe tomorrow will be uh, interesting. Odds are probably not. Probably but we'll not. See. But we'll see. Just please make sure you take a safety pick, please. I'm I'm begging them. Hey, Tanner Witt's still on the board. Yeah, he is. Which I found kind of interesting. I mean, I mean he's probably just going back to school. Yeah, I, I would I would assume so. Um, that's I guess a better conversation for tomorrow. Some of the random random happenstance that happens. All right, so uh, that is basically night, uh, not night two, day two of the draft, and one more night, one more afternoon. So we will see. Um, so if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Sleiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMidSeasonSZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, rate and review. And of course, we thank you for listening. Um, as a reminder, we are Patreon based. So if you like our podcast or if you like any of the other ones that are in the Homer and Apple network, you can subscribe for just $5 a month and get extra bonus content like additional episodes and exclusive content so we will be back tomorrow night to uh recap the rest of the draft so until then love the mets love the mets